0: News. 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 New York City.
1: The FAQ NYC podcast is getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. F-A-Q. It's FAQ NYC. I'm Harris Siegel here with Professor Christine Greer of Fordham University. Hello. Hello. We've got three pretty awesome interviews this week. Comedian Maria Dakotas talking with me and Cub reporter J.P. Siegel about her incredible Cuomo videos and the art of dad busting. Anna Sanders of the Daily News, breaking down New York City's reopening plans and some of the holes in those, and talking about her worldwide New York Rainbow Project, which you can get in on. Stay tuned to find out how. And finally, Sarah Brothman of Jimmy's Gym in Crown Heights talks with Alex Lynn about the group Reopen New York's push to allow small businesses here to get going again. Earlier today, Wednesday, Governor Andrew Cuomo, who put up that PowerPoint saying, blame me, fresh from his meeting with Donald Trump said, and I quote, the obligation is on the nursing home to say, I can't take a COVID positive person. Cuomo, of course, put out, this health department put out an order on March 25th saying that no resident shall be denied admission to a nursing home based on a confirmed or suspected diagnosis of COVID nineteen. He put out a new directive on May tenth, so about six weeks later, saying hospitals can't send patients back to nursing homes unless they've tested negative for the virus, but insisted that his earlier order was still in effect. That order is supposedly still in effect, although yesterday it was deleted from the State Health Department's website. So You know, as we've seen in Washington and elsewhere, we've gone from the buck stops here to uh, the buck. really doesn't stop as people are starting to take account. Chrissy, how's your isolation going? And I hear that you're waiting for some test results. Yes.
2: So I am still sheltering in place. Fortunately, folks in my neighborhood don't seem to get the memo about wearing masks. So there's still far too many people who are just walking around. With nothing on their faces. I actually did just get my results and I am COVID negative and COVID antibody negative, which is kind of a shock to me because I really thought I'd have positive antibodies just because I was doing so much travel before we started sheltering in place. But here we are.
1: Which test was this? Do you know?
2: So I, during regular times, I had like a proper set of doctors at NYU that I used, but obviously I didn't want to hop on the subway. So I went to a city MD which, you know, you can find them all across New York and they're open 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And it was super painless. I believe if you don't have insurance, you pay cash. But if you have insurance, it's covered. And it was a nasal swab for the COVID test, which was about two seconds of discomfort. I mean, it definitely feels like they're touching the back of your brain, but it literally two seconds of discomfort. That's about it. And then the antibody test was just like getting blood drawn for any other medical procedure. Pretty quick, very painless, you know, 15 seconds
1: or so. Quick Crown Heights question. In your neighborhood, are you seeing any social distancing enforcement at this point? And are you seeing any of these uh, city ambassadors at this point?
2: No, I haven't, but I then again don't really go out much. Um, I did see someone get arrested. This was about two weeks ago across the street from my apartment, but I couldn't really tell if I didn't know what the circumstance was. And there were so many police officers and so many bystanders and so few masks. I decided to just watch from the window and I couldn't really tell what was going on. But I did not go out and and ask questions. I'm sorry, Harry. I'm a bad reporter. But (laughs) when I see NYPD, I tend to walk in the opposite direction, not towards the kerfuffle. But so that being said, we do have lots of brave journalists who are still going out and about. Um, And comedians. And comedians and photojournalists who were taking pictures to document this moment. So I think that that's important that there's so many other people. But, you know, when all this started, the request from doctors and politicians was to, if you are not essential, please get out of the way. You know, sort of like thinking about this during a snowstorm. If you don't need to be on the road, don't be on the road. And I'm pretty much taking that to
1: heart. I think people really should be, and you can see people's discipline with that wearing down. Yes, and it's arbitrary.
2: You know, it's it's like I I see now that the nice weather is coming and we've been sheltering in place for about two months, I'm definitely seeing more people out of my window and more cars on Eastern Parkway where I can tell people are just, you know, feeling a little friskier just because it's nice out and they feel like they've done their due diligence. The sad part is we we don't have a vaccine and we still don't have lots of people who have been tested.
1: You know, I saw something crazy on Ocean Parkway and I was wearing a mask, but there were, I don't know, probably like 60 kids going by on various types of bicycles, not like electric or motor scooter, just bicycles, but they had clearly organized this and there were like 60 kids and going by, doing wheelies. It was like a parade. It was crazy. And they were in the car lanes. Let's go to this interview with Maria Dakotas. You may have seen her videos where she is lip syncing the family anecdotes of Governor Andrew Cuomo as those that become a staple of his coronavirus briefings. So she got on Zoom with myself and JP, eight-year-old JP. To talk about those videos and the art of dad busting, it's FAQNYC. I'm Harry Siegel. We have with us the terrific Maria Dakotas aka Governor Andrew Cuomo. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Yes, thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, so I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions about these Cuomo lip syncs you're doing that give a different spin to, or I think in a bunch of ways, sort of show. Uh, So so are are hilarious, and show the truth of some of the Family Hour stuff he's acting out on stage.
4: I have three questions.
1: So I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Josie jump in, who's watched (laughs) all of these and thinks they're hilarious with her questions, and then then I may have a few more for you. Josie, go.
4: Do you think um, the Governor man and really likes the boyfriend?
3: See, this is a really good question, Josie, because when I watch him. He says I like the boyfriend so many times, too many times to actually like him. You know when someone overcompensates, I think he's overcompensating a bit. So, I think he could not like the boyfriend potentially.
4: How do you how do you do your best dad prank? Because like you're pranking a dad or <laughs>
1: So Josie's yes, perspective here is that you are busting dads as your fundamental action with these, so, which she thinks is fantastic.
3: Yes. Okay. So she loves to bust dads. I love that. I'm with you, Josie. So I also have a very goofy dad myself. So one thing that my dad loves to do is when I'm in a room working on something, he'll come in and just turn the lights off because he's so energy conscious. And so he'll come in and turn the lights off on me when I'm in a room. And I'm like, Dad, I'm in here. (laughs) Or he'll go around picking up my glasses of water before I've even finished them. You know, he's like, okay, you done with this glass? You know, he's like constantly picking up my glasses of water. So one way that I just like to bust my dad's balls, I guess, is just have water all over the place (laughs) that he can't keep up with all of my water glasses. Yes, you know, just hit his nerve where it hurts. (laughs)
4: that the governor man
1: is not mad? Uh, you, I think.
4: Is he mad at me? Is that the question? Mm-hmm. And so how do I know? also, how did you actually get the boys underpants?
3: <laughs> the boys underpants. Another great question. So the, the men's underwear I got from Dwayne Reed from the pharmacy because it was Really the only place close to me that was open that I thought would have men's underwear. So that's where I found those. The governor, I don't believe that he's mad at me. I've heard from his people and he seems to enjoy them. So those were oh, all great
4: questions. Oh, and I have one more. Okay. How did you get the boyfriend to actually be the boyfriend? Because like, no girl is going to want to be a boyfriend. How did, how, did I- get the, how did you get the boyfriend? Because that's what I'm telling you. All I know is that it can't be your three sisters.
3: I found out that they were your sisters. Oh, yes. Okay, so the boyfriend is actually just me in a wig with a painted-on mustache. And the sisters are actually all me as well. I use an editing technique on the computer where I duplicate myself so that it looks like there's three of me. So I don't actually have two sisters and a and a boy to be the boyfriend. I actually just play all the roles myself. So that's we gonna have
1: to a- put a spoiler alert at the start of this episode now.
3: Oh well, yes, okay. lots of spoilers. Okay, now I can
1: get for you. So, how much of a rehearsal are you doing just to get the lip syncing down?
3: Yeah, it is quite a lot because I'll listen to it over and over again, just kind of lie down with my eyes closed and think of something. You know what I would do? What would you do? I would love to hear I would
4: listen to it a few times, memorize the lines, and then say that um, my own way, except more like, so let's say, um, busting dad is the best in the world. To Okay, busting dads are the best thing to do in the world if my list, <laughs> I, if that was what he said i would go like a few i would listen to it a few times
3: actually that's that's exactly what i do i listen to it more and more you have the exact right idea josie i just listen to it over and over again until i can really get his timing down and where he pauses and where he breathes if you follow his breath then you know when he's going to speak next It probably takes me like 30 minutes to really get it down, and then I'll start filming. And then when I start filming the takes, it takes a little bit longer because I'm kind of a perfectionist about it, so I get really nitpicky about it. But yeah, so I'll do some rehearsal before, then I'll do record and get, you know, as many takes as I need.
1: I'm curious, (laughs) do you have a a Cuomo impersonation?
3: I don't do his voice. His voice is a bit deep for me, I think, but I actually haven't really tried because I've just been lip syncing him, so... I mean, it's something I'm open to working on, because I've done impressions in the past, but we'll see.
1: And is there any chance with Cuomo and Trump meeting at the White House Wednesday, tomorrow as we're recording this, to uh, talk infrastructure, that we might see a crossover with yourself and Sarah Cooper at that point?
3: I'm hoping that we will, because I I mean, I heard the governor say that today, that he's having a meeting with the president tomorrow. So I got really excited. I Perked up. So I'm sure there's gonna be some good material coming from that. So yes, I would love to do um a collaboration with Sarah.
1: And you're recording these in your apartment?
3: Yeah, I just record them in my apartment on my cell phone.
1: Is there a second person there to help you record or
3: no? I just use a tripod. So I kind of just set it up on the tripod of where the different angles that I want and then press record and then borrow props from my roommates.
1: <laughs> so I know people can follow you. I've been on uh, Twitter at MariaDecotis, D-E-C-O-T-I-S. Where else, if people are, are digging your stuff, should they be going?
3: Yeah, um, I put my stuff on Instagram as well, and it's just the same. My first and last name, Maria MariaDecotis. And then I also put all of the videos on YouTube, so yeah. those are the the best ways to see the stuff. I didn't want to get a TikTok. I was just like, I have too many apps. I can't. I just I was too overwhelmed. So,
1: so is this sort of unique to Cuomo in this moment? Or or are you seeing with the real viral success of these, like the possibility of, of finding other moments to do similar videos? Like what comes next? Uh, are you're thinking about that at all.
3: Yeah, I have been thinking about it a little bit because I've just been focusing on Cuomo and his family moments and musings that he goes on. But I guess as long as he's giving me material, I'm probably gonna keep doing him. But if something does pique my interest and I'm seeing other characters in the political sphere that I would like to imitate, I'm sure I'll, I'll jump on it. But Cuomo's just so fun to do. And <laughs> so we'll see if, uh, if I get inspired.
1: Maria, thank you so much for taking the time And I'm very much looking forward to seeing your videos. I just think that the timing and the facial expressions and the wit and sort of working off someone else's voices, they're they're really, really just fantastic. And they made me feel better about having to watch all these (laughs) pressers.
3: Thank you. I'm glad.
1: So our very last guest before the New York pause happened was going to have been Anna Sanders of the new york daily news we wanted to have her on to talk about what was happening in the city at that point and about her bagel paintings which are awesome unfortunately she had to rain check then um the city shut down and we've been almost getting her on ever since and this is the week where it finally happened and instead of bagels we got to talk about pigeons and rainbows It's Wednesday, a little after 11, Bill de Blasio has just finished his presser, and Alex and I are on the phone with Anna Sanders, who covers City Hall for the Daily News. Hi, Anna. Hi, how are you guys? We're good. How are you doing in the midst of all this?
5: I'm doing okay. I live alone with a cat, so it's a bit touch and go. I would probably pay someone for a hug right now, but, you know, I'm getting through it. My family's safe. I'm safe. And that's all you can really ask for right now. Have you, uh, gotten the,
6: have you gotten the antibody test
5: or the coronavirus test, the nasal swab? I got an antibody test last week, and it was through the city, which I did because I was curious if I had gotten it. And I also wanted to see what the deal was with the city testing. And I didn't have antibodies. But it was kind of an interesting experience because one of the things that the city requires in order for you to get this free test through bioreference, reference you have to answer a bunch of lifestyle and health questions, including about your sexuality. And I thought that was interesting. I know a couple of people who've gotten that test and have also tested negative. And I do know some people who definitely had coronavirus who have gotten different antibody tests and tested negative. So not sure what it tells you, but it, it was an interesting experience, and I'm glad I did it.
1: So the health indicators, you know, hospitalizations, new infections, the, the, the rate, and the death rate have all been going down, and it looks like, you know, we've been through most of this first wave, and Mayor de Blasio is talking about a June reopening for the uh, city now. Anna, can you take our listeners through what he's saying is going to be part of that in terms of isolation for people who have it or think they do, uh, whatever the test results show and quarantines, uh, tracing exposures, and, and testing?
5: So in order for the city to reopen under the state's plan, they have to have, I believe, 2,500 contact tracers. We're not there yet. But essentially, under the city's plan, they would need to be able to rapidly test and then track contacts with people who tested positive. And this would be require thousands of contact tracers, as they're called. And then if people are found to have been in contact with someone who had coronavirus, or if they did have it, they would then be offered hotel rooms for isolation or quarantine if they can't do that at home, which is obviously a concern for smaller apartments in New York City, it's not as easy to isolate at home away from your family in New York compared to other parts of the country. Their plan would really require thousands of contact tracers who are able to actually get in contact with people who have tested positive. And I think that that's one of the main issues with this plan that they're going to come across is that people might not want to be in contact with these tracers because if a tracer reaches out to you and says, hey, you were in touch with someone who tested positive for coronavirus, you need to isolate, you need to get tested. That person might think if I'm tested positive, then I can't go back to work. And I think that it requires a buy-in from the public that we don't know if that's there yet. I think that the vast majority of New Yorkers have been social distancing and following the rules. This will also be the case, but it really requires people to trust the contact tracers and also be okay with maybe being out of work for two weeks while everyone else is slowly getting back to work. The other issue that I think they're going to come into contact with is that right now the city conducts about 20,000 coronavirus tests a day. The mayor himself said about a month ago that in order for this tracing plan to work, in order to lift restrictions, they would have to do as many as 50 or 100,000 tests a day. And now the mayor is saying that we'll only get to 50,000 tests a day by August 1st. So we're on our way. It's definitely we're past the hump for sure. And I think that once those contact tracers are in place, the city will start to lift some restrictions on certain businesses or allow for curbside pickup for retail stores that haven't been open. But I think that it remains to be seen if that's going to be successful given that a lot of this requires New Yorkers to go get tested, to trust the city enough to answer those questions and Isolate themselves, And today they actually talked about the prospect of having to force people to quarantine, which is something that the health department can order. But I, I, the enforcement of this is a little up in the air. I'm not entirely sure how that's going to work.
1: I'm so old. I remember two months ago when <laughs> instead of an army of tracers from the public hospitals, it was going to be a core of detectives from the health department. I'm even so old, I remember Governor Cuomo talking about mandatory quarantines during Ebola in 2014, when those really weren't necessary. And he's been, as, as I know, quite silent about this this year, when that seems like more of a potential prospect. And there's a ton to dig into there, but we need to fan club for a minute. Uh, we have <laughs> We have our card from you, but I'm hoping you can tell our listeners who don't know already about these awesome cards you're sending out rainbow They
5: uh, they might be able to get one if they're interested yeah i a couple months ago now it seems like forever ago i decided that you know i'm an amateur artist i do a lot of art off hours and one of the things that has become sort of a, a cornerstone of this is you know spreading hope spreading joy spreading positivity when everyone is isolated and worried and grieving for either people they love or for the entire country. And people have been putting up rainbows in their windows. And I did that myself and I kind of still felt stir crazy. So I've started sending out postcards with rainbows and various, uh, yeah, pigeons are the new one, skylines, things that remind people of New York and I sent away for ours, and we have a rainbow with a small pink
6: NYC in the corner and a purple heart in the upper left. We are addressed yeah. to F A
5: Q H Q. HQ. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so anyone who wants this card, I'm trying to send out at least 500. I've sent about 315 so far, but I'm trying to send 500 during this crisis. Anyone who wants to get a card, I'm literally sending it anywhere. I've sent them overseas. People have gotten them in Spain, Germany, the United Kingdom, anywhere. You can just DM me on Twitter at Anna E. Sanders with your address. And you know if you want a pigeon or if you want a skyline, I can handle those requests. And I'm doing this free of charge. A couple people have very kindly Venmoed me, but that's not necessary. Because for me, this is sort of a therapeutic process because I, of course, am experiencing the same isolation and depression that everyone's feeling during this crisis and painting rainbows has actually really helped me. So it's almost like when I run out of addresses to send them to, I become manic and say, please give me your addresses because I need to make more of these rainbows. So anyone who wants one, please reach out.
6: I'll definitely, I'll definitely, as I have been, be spreading the word. But speaking of isolation, I had one more question about I have been Very unclear and desperately looking for answers around these quarantine hotels, as I'm sure everybody has. But, like, originally, when de Blasio talked about it, it was going to be a floor of a hotel where... There could be a nurse's station in one of the rooms and they would take care of people. And if their symptoms got worse, there would be like staff on site. Now, I'm wondering if that was just when we thought the peak was going to be a lot worse than it was, or if that's kind of still the plan going forward. Are these floors of hotels and nothing as with this whole thing with de Blasio has really been made crystal clear about when did that plan change? Did it change you know? Um, but what about, uh, have you heard anything on that kind of on
5: along those lines or what would you expect? I actually am not sure. The one thing that I do know is that what they're saying is that when they put people in these hotels, the contact tracers will be in touch with them. So I think that the idea is that you can access services through the contact tracer if you need them. I don't think there was any plan to have nurses stationed in all the hotels, but I could be totally wrong about this. I think you know more about it than me. I do know that the isolation in the hotels is a key part of their plan because if people keep going back to their apartments, they'll spread it to people who can spread it more. And I think that there is going to be a difficulty in telling people, oh, you're sick, please go isolate yourself in a hotel away from your family for Up to a month or like two weeks, but I'm not I'm not entirely sure about what services are offered in the hotel. I know that at least in the case of like the homeless who have been staying in hotels or inmates, they do get some services and food and
1: stuff provided to them. Anna, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. I hope we'll keep this conversation going. I have one last question for you here. Yeah, sure. And on a bright note, I hope. Have you spotted your rainbows? out in the wild yet in new york city
5: <laughs> no because i've sort of been isolated to my own neighborhood but i have a lot of people send me photos of the rainbows and it truly like brightens my day you know i get pictures of children holding them and everyone's so excited because you know you have a dreadful day and then you go to your mailbox and you get a rainbow it, it's very nice i have not spotted them but i'm hopeful i do like there are several people who've sent me pictures of friend of mine who covers the white house went to the white house briefing with her rainbow and took a picture and that was really cool and i've seen a couple of them in stand-up shots like one of my friends um jill who works at new york one had hers in her in her um stand-up shot when she was working from home so that was always that's nice to see
1: awesome uh anna thank you and let's talk again soon
5: yeah and i hope you guys are well and you thanks bye Well, I'm the proud owner
2: of an Anna Sanders original, and I will definitely have that as a keepsake post-pandemic because they're beautiful and inspiring, and I think every New Yorker should have one.
1: What is on yours? I don't believe I've seen
2: it. Mine is the Statue of Liberty with NYC painted on the Statue of Liberty with
1: a rainbow in the background. I love that. We're supposed to have one coming in here. You can get yours, too. Just DM. Anna. We're supposed to have one coming here for the girls from this new set of rainbows and pigeons and NYC love. So I'm very excited. I didn't ask to see which one we end up with.
2: I know. I was one of the early folks who DM'd and said, I have to have a Sanders original. Remember? Because we wanted a Sanders original in our office at NYU at the McSilver Institute. Um, mm-hmm. but then, you know, we we all sort of dispersed and sheltered in place. But now that there's the Pigeon series. I don't want to be greedy and say, like, oh, can I also have a pigeon? But I do like
1: the new pigeon series, I have to say. I really like the pigeons. I also, yeah, I, I try not to be uh, greedy with these things. As a Christine Adam both know, I'm a little bit of a hoarder. <laughs> I'm left to my own devices. Speaking of hoarding, right now the big box stores are all open uh, to the extent New York has them, right? So you can go to Target and get anything. Because uh, target is essential, but lots of smaller businesses that provide fairly important services are not essential and remain closed. And some of those owners are chafing at the restrictions they're operating under, particularly seeing the contrast with these box stores. So, our executive producer Alex Lin sat down with Sarah Brothman of Jimmy's G Y M I E S Jim in Crown Heights to talk about this reopen New York push. That she's been involved.
0: Hey Alex, good morning. Hi, good morning. Just start with what is your name and what do you do? My name is Sarah Brofman and I run Jimmy's Gym in Brooklyn. What is Jimmy's Gym? Jimmy's Gym is a multi-sport facility for children. We run gymnastics, circus classes, soccer, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but we also do anything and everything that a working parent might need. So any day that school is off, we're going to be running programs all day. We do summer programming, winter break programming, you name it. So, and after-school programs. So we have like two or three hours every day where we have kids coming in from buses. I mean, they're bused in and they come to our program and we'll do sports with them. We'll do homework with them, crafts with them. So it's kind of like a working parents haven, which is part of why I'm so committed to what we're doing right now with Reopen New York. And where in Brooklyn are you located? I'm in Crown Heights. And are you guys,
6: so obviously you're like a private company. Do you get subsidized at all from the city or any help in that direction? No,
0: no, not currently, no. Okay. So what is Reopen New York? So Reopen New York is kind of as grassroots as it comes. (laughs) Very homegrown group. of. Right now, we started out with 280 some odd businesses. And right now we're over 500 businesses. We're a small coalition of small businesses who just really think that it's unfair how big box stores are being favored. And a lot of the stores, not my services, but a lot of the stores, um, the majority of them sell the same things that the big box stores are selling And everybody needs sandals for their kids or themselves or shorts or summer clothes. And it's kind of counterintuitive to think that a big box store can do that more safely than a small store who would be able to limit the number of people coming in and definitely would be able to sanitize, which I think we can all agree is not really happening in the big box stores, <laughs> at least to the level or the degree that probably it could be. Right. I was actually at
6: Target a couple of weeks ago and I was like, how are they sanitizing Mm -hmm. everything everyone touches every night? So what you're saying is basically that, like, smaller retail stores can uh, have a better handle on actually sanitizing their merchandise or limiting it or having a curbside pickup or some sort of little counter in the doorway that we've seen in a lot of businesses more safely than... What, what are the big box stores in New York right now? Well, Target, well, Kmart. We're, we're
0: basically fighting for the same hand, like rights. We don't want to do curbside pickup. Nobody is going to be able to go through the inventory that they ordered back. You know, I don't know how long ago retail shops ordered their stuff, but it was definitely before coronavirus was anywhere on the horizon. So we kind of want to have the same footing on the market. It's not fair that the big box stores are being able to open the way they can. And for us, it's Target, Costco. If you're in Long Island, it's Walmart. Those are the stores that right now are having the ability to sell everything and anything. You know, if you if you want to buy an engagement ring, you can do that at Costco, but you can't go to a jewelry store and buy it, you know? So it kind of seems super unfair. And families are really, really struggling. Small businesses are struggling. I myself know of two close friends who have had a business that they've worked on the past 10 years. They're 35 years old like me, and their business is just gone. They had to close it because of what's going on.
6: And what about a business like yours where it's really hard to take those precautions and like gyms and stuff are not opening Yeah. Yet?
0: So we're not actually pushing at all for salons, barbershops, because we totally understand that that's a completely different category. And me personally, I do want to hear from the state and the city, government bodies, Department of Health. I want to know what are the regulations. And, you know, I do think that what we have in mind and what we have in place is probably going to surpass what the city actually wants. but. That's not our mission right now. Our mission right now is to get the stores that are selling the same things that the big box stores sell. And we think that they can do it even more safely, but it's not even about safety. It's not, not that it's not about safety, but, you know, what are going to be the emotional, you know, mental health costs of people who can't provide for their families, who can't pay their bills? You know, right now, everybody's kind of just like, okay, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting, but we're at this point now where our landlords aren't going to forgive our rent. How are we going to move forward? you know? And then if those retail shops don't open soon, then it's just pushing off the opening of my business, which, you know, for a lot of working parents, they're really struggling at home. And it's like, you know, you take this shift with the kids and then I'll try and get some work done. And you take that shift and they're working till like one or 2am because they never were able to catch up and finish their workload, you know?
6: Yeah, we've talked a lot on the show about how SBA loans work, and we've talked a lot on the show about how there's a lot of differences between Manhattan and Brooklyn and who's getting the support. And I think a lot of the SBA loans went specifically to Manhattan stores. Mm-hmm. We've also mm-hmm. talked on the show about how there is there seems to be no clear a uh, plan in place for any kind of negotiation between what's going to happen at the end of this thing between landlords and tenants whether it's commercial mm-hmm. or even residential but you're based in Brooklyn and is there a majority of your business owners based in Brooklyn or what is your the coalition made up of is it a, is it a lot of We're
0: really we're really spread out we're we've got we've got businesses on Long Island we've got businesses in Brooklyn We have businesses in Muncie and in upstate New York. There are some really large Facebook groups that I've been really lucky to coordinate with some of the admins on and get exposure in that way and kind of have a farther reach than just my local area. I get so many messages on Facebook, like, thank you so much. New York needs to stand up. This is ridiculous. Like, we need to start to move on. Nobody's saying to do anything reckless, you know? We're just saying that we deserve to be able to make a living like it's just it's a civil right like why are we being denied this
6: are there a lot of black-owned businesses in brooklyn that are part of the coalition as well
0: we have been in touch with so many businesses from different backgrounds i mean we had a press conference last week what a range of people we had a couple people from my community we had a gentleman from the bronx who owns a salon and he came to speak um and he was from the muslim community We had somebody from Manhattan. We had Nancy who was from, you know, she's Latina. You know, so it's really, this is a very New York story. And what I'm trying to do and what my friends who are working on this are trying to do is we don't want this to become a very New York tragedy. We want it to be something that we saw was happening and we spoke up and that we got a response from our government leaders. You know, like we're really waiting and we're saying like, we we need your help.
6: Now, a lot of the calls to reopen across the country have been, like, super politicized, right? The people, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, it's the people who want to reopen are, uh, like, somehow it's become, I could probably map it out, we could probably talk about this for hours, but somehow the (laughs) reopen effort has become tied with the perception of, like, a, a conservatism or, like, Trump support, where this... In a vacuum, is not actually a political issue, and especially really in a place isn't. like mm-hmm. New York, it doesn't seem to be a a political issue. And I'm just wondering, like, how do you? It it just seems, you know, liberals are like wear your face masks and we should keep everything shut down, and it's the conservatives who are like reopen everything and storm the Capitol building with the guns. Now, this is like these are just like weird inter like online poisoning. However. Do you ever get met with that when you say I'm with Reopen NYC? Do people wonder where that falls on the political spectrum or have you encountered that at all?
0: Well, well, it's kind of funny that you say that because we are the first group in New York that has gotten media attention. If you just search Reopen New York, I think we've been in cranes in the past week we've been on national television for Fox News twice. We've been on CBS, ABC. I mean, all the networks came to our press conference. We were really, really clear from the beginning that this is not a partisan issue. This is just people in New York State that really seriously want to pick up and move forward. You know, we all know that we needed to close. Nobody's saying we didn't. Nobody's saying that these masks, all of the stores in our coalition are ready to hand out masks to their customers. And that's one of the rules. You know, we have a graphic that we made like these are the five things that we believe in. And masks is one of them because like, that's what we're being recommended. We're not, you know, I think a lot of the groups that were making a big hoopla, they were, they were not covered because they really didn't represent, I don't think like your typical New Yorker. And I really feel like this, what we're doing really is, you know, a collection of New Yorkers who are just like genuinely want to pick up and move forward and reclaim What we've lost, like we've all lost a lot.
6: Because right now it just seems like a lot of people are just scratching their heads, going, "The only people that can afford some of these precautions are big box stores." And and now, what do you say to someone who would bring that to you? Well, are there going to be so many sanitary restrictions? Yeah. What would you guys say to that?
0: We actually, we actually had a really big company um, that had retail stores all over New York City and actually all over the country. And they wanted to join our efforts and back our efforts in reopening. And they had some logistical stuff with their landlords that they weren't able to until the study um, actually would allow it. But I mean, the stuff that they had put in was way more and far exceeded anything that we have seen from any of the big box stores. So I think there definitely is a huge effort to respect you know, what has happened and to protect us from anything further happening from all the stores, you know, regardless of what each store owner thinks, you know, we all are in this to say, like, we're not bringing our personal stories to the table. We want to do this as safely as possible. But really, we just need to reopen like it's not like families and businesses, they cannot wait one minute longer. And that's just not what we feel like our politicians and our people who are in power really understand it.
6: Just the the last question, the truly last question I, I have is, do you see as restrictions ease on small businesses, if they ease to match the restriction easing on the big box stores, do you see this coalition staying together to possibly help with other efforts that might come from the fallout of the closures due to coronavirus? Like, like landlords so actually, and rents and things. Like it's that.
0: actually been really, really interesting, um, and that's a great question because part of the part of the like something that's happening internally that none of us have ever expected is if you really look at this whole group of stores, a lot of them are former competition. These are people who never once in their life would agree to be on a WhatsApp group together with their competition. <laughs> But this has really brought together so many people in a way that you couldn't imagine. Personally, I feel like I have five new mentors for my business that I'm already talking to about, you know, when we reopen, what do you think about this idea? What do you think about that idea? And people who are offering to help and they're like, you should come to our neighborhood. What you do is so great. Let me see if I could talk to so-and-so. And that's been this like side product of what we've been doing. And that's so exciting for me because as a small business owner, you're really going at it alone. You're at the top of your company and, you know, you're, you don't have investors. You don't have people who you're running ideas by. You're really just, you know, doing the best you can, but you're, it's just one man on an, you know, on an Island kind of, and now it kind of feels different. You know, I feel like I have people, you know, that I can that I can call. And it's funny. There's a lot of also women and minority groups that are on our WhatsApp group. And, and that's also been an amazing thing to, you know, to reach into a community that you never would have had access to. I never would be talking to this person, but now I am and getting advice from and getting encouragement from. And that's, that's also been, I mean, that has been really kind of beautiful.
6: <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me this morning You're so welcome. on Wednesday as we record, uh, for FAQ NYC. I am delighted to have met you and, uh, same here. Yeah. I will, uh, I will talk to you soon. F A Q. Well, we've had a busy week here at
2: FAQ NYC. And as you all know, FAQ NYC is headquartered at NYU's McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research. But during this quarantine, we are reporting from the boroughs of Brooklyn and Manhattan. This week, we recorded in Brooklyn. And we'd like to thank our guests, Maria Dakotas, Anna Sanders of The Daily News, and Sarah Brossman of Reopen New York. As always, Adam Kamara served as our producer for this episode, and Alex Brooklyn is our executive producer. On behalf of Harry Siegel and myself, thanks for listening, and please, please be safe. Do it.
4: Oh, and I also have a cure for the coronavirus.
3: So, uh, a vaccine for the coronavirus? No, this no, is-
4: no. I haven't found a vaccine, but I found a cure for it. Okay, so here's how it goes. So you get, so you get like, you guys somebody's loose tooth. That okay? Somebody's loose tooth that the tooth fairy doesn't want. Because mm-hmm. it to have, like a very back cavity, but, but it fell out right before the dentist appointment to get it fixed. Okay? Uh, okay, so the two prairie probably won't want that tooth. We get that tooth. We get some skin. We get a human. We get some of your. You get a little bit of lip. And we get a little bit of your gums, some hair, and a tear. Uh, a tear, oh my goodness. And a little bit of your nails, okay? And then here's what goes. You soak it into like pretty much any lotion and for like uh-huh. about a day or two in the right temperature, which I'm still not sure what that's gonna be, so I still have to experiment with and you rub it on yourself. And I'll be attracted to that because the coronavirus are gonna be like, oh, I'm spraying this to another person. And and then and And after a few days, almost all of your coronavirus will be there. You have to rub it in a whole bunch of spots, though. Okay, and then you need a shot that will blow it in to it instead of out. And then you squish it into a container and throw it into a volcano.